0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: A horse race win in the 50s bought an Indigenous family a cattle station in the Northern
2: Territory. But
1: it's the work with troubled teens that's earned the Patriarch an Australian of the Year nomination. This is Three Bags Full, a landline podcast, updating you on the TV stories you loved and the story of 7EMU Station. In November of 2016, landline journo Christy O'Brien and cameraman Ian Jumbuck Redfern headed to Savannah Way in the Northern Territory, which is about 85 kilometres southeast of Borroloola, in the middle of nowhere really, to Seven Emu Station. Christian Jumbuck, what was the story?
0: The owner Frank Shadforth is a respected pastoralist here in the Northern Territory, where he catches wild bulls. Really, they were doing some pretty remarkable things here that I thought were worth checking out. He was running a station and rehabilitating wayward youth.
2: Yeah, my first ball catch was pretty
3: fun, an you know, adrenaline rush. It always keeps showing your toes, though. Really. Know, the ball doesn't want to stay
1: there with the toes.: There's more to 7MU Station than just catching balls. What, what does Frank Shadforth and the family do on this property?
0: whilst it was high adventure and I knew the pictures would be amazing, there was something incredibly special and I think that felt like one of the most important stories we'd covered. And the fact that Frank was off his own back, taking in kids that some of the worst of the worst in terms of drug abuse, criminal history, the whole lot, his genuine compassion for his own people and wanting to change things in some way he could was just very authentic.
2: There's a few good ones in them, and, you know, they, they stick it out for a while, but it's just you know good to give someone, I suppose, just a help in life. Yeah.
1: John Buck, you were the cameraman on this shoot and the main navigator, what did it take to get to the station?
3: I hate to admit it, but we did get a little bit lost at the last bit, we took a wrong turn and uh, nearly ended up in the Arafura Sea, sea uh, in the Gulf.
1: What sort of roads? Met?
3: The road to Boralula from Darwin isn't too bad, it's very narrow, uh, it is sealed but you've got to get well off the road because you know, if there's a road train coming you've got to you know, bow and get out of the way. But once you get past Boralula, even though it is National Highway 1, it becomes just a dirt road and we were met by Frank and uh, not seven emus but there was one emu that was just
1: drifting around while we were there. Did you get to speak to any of the people Frank was helping?
0: There were these two boys who just arrived, Isaiah from Cloncurry uh, and also Zane who came over from Mount Isa. When we first met them, they sort of had the too cool for school vibes going on. But then by the end of the week, you could see that facade being chipped away and we're really embracing being outdoors. And that's Frank's whole motto is trying to get kids out bush to, to find themselves, but to also find a bit of a purpose in life. Sometimes these lads can be fairly uh, shy about telling their story, but we managed to to go out in the scrub uh, away from everyone and we just sat on a a log and and had a chat.
2: I'll I'll go out a couple of stations, probably stay out on stations. It's
0: a dry camp, there's no sort of grog or anything to to get anyone in trouble out here. Do you think that keeps boys from getting in trouble?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's very great being out here. No bad habits, no nothing. Just be fit. They teach us a lot. One day we'll probably teach our kids and stuff. And yeah, I like it out here. I've been on parole since I was 13, I think. Robberies, and burglaries, that's about it, yeah. Did you get caught
0: in the wrong crowd or?
2: Yeah, just caught peer pressure, you know. If I'd have got out on the station younger, man, I, I'd have been a hard-working man. I, cause I never knew,
1: you know, like, black like fellas are on the station. I, <laughs> There. What kind of person is Frank?
0: He's a complicated man, I will say that. So we'd sit under the stars and have these really varied and quite deep discussions from politics to um, his philosophy on sugar. He's a very avid reader and he thinks a lot about the world and one of his main principles was you have to give back. You can't stand by and complain about the way things are and not actually do something about it and that is probably what drives most of his work with Indigenous youth. I've
2: been doing it for a fair while and and the problem is I think a lot of people lose, a lot of family don't like looking after kids. I think they just get tied up with what's happening now, technology or whatever you like to call it and they like to be in town. They don't live the normal life no more because
1: there's too much drugs and you see it, it makes you sad really. Has Frank's exposure in Landline been a good thing for him?
0: I had mixed views on this at one point because initially he was bombarded with just overwhelming feedback about what a great job he was doing and what a tremendous legacy he was leaving by setting up these programs. You have to remember, this was at the time that the Don Dale stuff was also coming out and, uh, you know, there was a huge focus on the Indigenous youth. That's the
1: Don Dale Youth Detention Centre up in Darwin where there was an inquiry about abuse of children detainees. Yeah,
0: so that Four Corners piece that just took off around the country and really put a focus on the Territory's Indigenous youth was happening at the time. So people started to say, well, this is the solution. They should just roll out uh, stations like Frank's done on that landline program. And the fundamental thing is you can't copy Frank. I mean, you needed him at the central point of that. He started to get bombarded with more official offers of funding and people wanting to help and very genuinely wanting to help. But then perhaps maybe altering what he does because then it would sort of turn into a very structured system with a lot of red tape and I did start to worry that maybe his fundamental beliefs and what he was doing might get altered and not for the better. Did they? They didn't actually and I should have had more faith in Frank and he pretty much told me so when I called him for a chat.
2: You know they wanted to know where the money was spent or how it was spent and some of them wanted to know how the kid's going to go, or where he's going to go. I mean, you, nobody knows where the kid's going to go. You know, a kid make up his own mind what he wants it to, to be. And, you know, if the government want to support it, well, they need to stop trying to make money out of kid. I mean, even though we want to make money out of it, but we know there's a result out of it because we spend the time and effort with the kid. You've got to spend a lot of time and talking to kids, you know? Let them enjoy who you are and let them feel comfortable that you are a person.
1: There has been some official recognition, though, for Frank.
0: Yeah, there certainly has been. Frank was nominated for Northern Territory Australian of the Year in 2017 and, funnily enough, he actually didn't know anything about it.
2: (laughs) I don't even know how it came about. I didn't even know I was nominated until they rang me and told me. A lady did say to me when that program came out, you ought to be Australian of the Year. You know? But I should have protested because the lady that won it, she came from overseas. And thank you, Jambak. I'm very grateful for it. But yeah, I think that's part of Australian of the Year was, you know, you or two as well, you, for showing it. But see, I got a lot of reaction, from, mainly from people over, you know, interstates and
1: that. From how far afield have people sought out Frank to get help for, for young men and women that they know?
0: Oh, the calls came in from all over Australia. I gave Frank a bell uh, a few days after the program went to air and he said, I have just been bombarded with people asking me to take their kids on. But there was one woman in particular, a grandmother from Perth, that rang him and was quite desperate um, about her pleas for, for Frank to take on her grandson, who she had raised. He'd just gone off the tracks and she was at wit's end. and she saw Landline and she thought, maybe I can give that a try. Yeah,
2: she just rang up out of the blue and asked me, if I could take the kid on, and I said, yeah, I'll take him on. And she just, and the grandfather, they was a farming people, and they sent the kid up here, and, yeah, he turned out good. He was heavy on drugs. Yeah, but he turned out good after. Like, I see the results every day. The, you see the change in them. And, but it's the open air that people, a lot of kids need. It's not this locking up business. You know, Don Dale or wherever keeping kid out in a house is no good. I mean, whether it's white or black, they need that fresh air.
0: The boy that we met when we came out um, to Borrolula a year or so after he'd arrived was polite. He was making conversation with us. Um, he attended the, the rodeo with the other boys and um, was a really likeable you know, good-looking young bloke and he was t- cl- tidying up from around everyone and I, I said to Frank, you couldn't tell that that's the one that gave you all that trouble in the early days.
1: Is 7MU Station the Shadforth's traditional country? Can they trace their family history back for centuries or longer uh, on that area of land?
0: Because Frank's father, Willie, was a stockman, he worked all over. And so they, they drove around, they moved around. So it certainly isn't land that they had a strong connection to. What I understand happened, uh, and this is part of this amazing story with the history side of the station, is that Willie was droving, he was treated pretty badly um, up in that area uh, by one of the station owners and and I guess he filed that away. He thought, I'm going to come back there and, and take that station.
2: My dad bought it in 53. The story goes that he went drove and drove on the way through to Alice Spring, he back to horse in the Caulfield Cup. Two weeks later he came back and back to us in the Melbourne Cup. Won him some money with a drove and trip and Melbourne Cup. That's how he bought seventy. He made ten thousand quid. When you read about Aboriginal history, how he got hold of it, I don't know. And that, to me, I still don't know.
1: Behind the scenes, what happened that you didn't get to show in the original story?
0: Oh, what didn't happen?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting because we we actually had a bit of time on this one. Usually, we we just sort of hit the ground running and we had this great camp which is part of the tourism setup they've got which is on the edge of the Robinson River there's a massive cliff drop into the water and which is just as well because Frank pointed out a, a crock that was probably about a kilometre away and I swear it was it was the biggest croc I've ever seen and he, he reckoned it was probably about six or seven metres and I'm pretty sure it probably was and we could hear this at night we could hear this thrashing around yeah. in the water down below and we thought, well, you know, I'm glad we are on the upside of the river because <laughs> anything could have happened. We only had to contend with the odd Brahmin bull coming past the camp uh, looking for a bit of love life in the, in the moonlight.
1: What do bullcatchers look like?
0: They're like little military rigs, sort of jeep-looking things, and they've got a arm that they can uh, push a button on and it will swing over on top of the buffalo's head, catching it between its torso and horns. They sort of skid up beside it while it's caught and then they start roping the bull in and then tie it to a tree. So they're these funny little Mad Max-looking things, aren't they, Jumbug? That just they tear through the scrub and when they're coming towards you, it looks like something out of the Wild West Territory style.
1: How much respect does Frank get in a way that he's a man who's doing things on his own terms? A successful Indigenous man that owns his own station, that inherited it from his dad. And that is for a lot of young Indigenous people, seemingly he might as well be from Mars.
0: The young bloke said it best, you know, yeah, I didn't you know, know like, didn't know like, black blackfellas could run a station. I mean, how sad to think <laughs> so, that these kids yeah. just think that that is so out of the realm of possibility. That line has stuck with me for so long. I think broadly, Frank doesn't make excuses for anyone. He doesn't settle for poor me anything. I think that's almost what connected with people.
2: The government needs to wake up and start making people go to work, whether it's black, white or Chinaman or... Indonesian, don't look, I don't care who they are, they should be all working. Because I've got a young white fella, he, he's 17, he's a white kid from Rockhampton. Well, when he came here, he, uh, I didn't know whether he was a zombie or what. But by gee, he's a lot different now, like he's straightened out, he get up early, five o'clock in the morning. I don't have to wake him up now, he gets up early in the morning. He's been crying like cry here for a while, like, a bit hard, you know, and I said to him, listen, mate. If you want to survive in life, you've got to get up in the morning and have a wash. There was basic thing in life, and that's what, what we're lacking. The kids are lacking, and people, you know, they pour drugs into the poor little buggers. They think they're going to fix the problem, but that's not the problem. They need to get out in the place where it's isolated, like here. The problem with society today, there's too much meeting. nothing solved.
1: Christy O'Brien and Ian Jumbuck-Redfern, thanks for speaking to us on Three Bags Full. Thanks. Our pleasure. You can check out the original story plus some great behind-the-scenes footage on the ABC Landline Facebook page or online at abc.net.au slash landline. Next week on Three Bags Full, the story of the outback oasis.
0: I have to be honest, I found it really tough seeing things die and I did go through a stage where I didn't go out into the garden at all. I found it too hard.
1: If you like this podcast, write a review. It'll help other people find us. And why not also check out some of the others by the ABC, like Tales from the Tinny. I'm John Taylor, and thanks to our series producer Helena Bachkovski. Facebook William tells us, I hope that the guy who does the Landline Weekly News update isn't planning to do the Adelaide Fringe in 2019. With the corny joke he finishes up with, he would get booed off the stage. Thanks, William. And if you'd like to leave a message, come find us on Facebook.